This show may contain strong language and sexual content. If you're a minor looking for information or help without all the grown-up stuff, visit our website at mygayagendapodcast.com for resources. This episode contains discussion of rape culture. It also contains discussions about the LGBTQIA community, but you probably figured that out already. It's right in the title. Monday, we're super gay. Tuesday is also gay. Wednesday is still pretty gay. And Thursday, I have a night class. Friday, we continue to be gay. Saturday is the gayest day. Sunday, yeah, it's still gay. But we also record a podcast. Hello and welcome to My Gay Agenda, an investigative podcast where we interview the queer community and plan our world domination. My name is Jen. My name is CJ, and we are your co-conspirators in plotting whatever the heck it is cisgender straight people think we're doing. CJ, could you tell us what's on the buy schedule for today? I'd be delighted. We have with us author Olivia Hill all the way from Tokyo, Japan. And then after that, as usual, Jen's going to lead us in a game. Woo! Hello, (laughs) Olivia! Hi, everyone. <laughs> How's it going? It's it's going good. How are you? We're good. At time of recording right now, it's currently uh, 8.34 a.m. for Jen and I and 9.34 p.m. for your time. Yeah, it's 9.34. It's, yeah, we're, we're basically on reverse time. <sighs> yeah. So you're in the future then, right? <gasps> oh. Yes, Japan is in the future. Okay, so because it's still August 11th? Yes, yes. Can you, like, super quick just, like, report back um, any findings about being ahead of us? Like, what's the future like? Is it better? Of Please course. tell us it's better. Well, mm, I, I can't make any promises at this point. Um, there are robots. That's good. But there's, yeah. Um, it's, it's actually a really weird thing, too, um, because not only is the time sort of reversed and, you know, I'm in the future and everything like that. But most of my friends like sort of live in weird schedules. And so like, for example, my birthday was just recently and my birthday. Yeah. 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 My birthday comes around and I have a whole birthday. Like I'm at work, I'm doing everything, whatever. Um, (laughs) All is cool. I go to bed and then I wake up and the next day, hundreds of people message me and they're like, Oh, happy birthday, Olivia. Like birthday number oh, two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was yesterday's news, people. Yeah. <laughs> Catch oh. up. Though I need that because I personally celebrate my birthday the entire month of April. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a good way to go about it. Yeah. I was gonna say I think my gay agenda item is getting myself two birthdays. <laughs> mm, I think we should all get two birthdays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 Let's do that. So tell us about you, Olivia, besides the fact that you live in the future. Well, um, I live in the future, so there's that. Um, Big point. Yeah, yeah. I am am an author. Um, I have, I think, four or five, yeah, four books out right now. And I'm working on my fifth. And um, primarily, like, my day job is that I'm a video game designer. I work on mobile games and JRPGs um, in, in Tokyo here. And I, um, yeah, yeah. And also I, um, do a little bit of, um, tabletop game design. I used to do a lot more, but I kind of moved away from that. And now I'm kind of doing a little bit more too. So I do a lot of things. Uh, Renaissance woman, as far as, um, geeky (laughs) stuff goes. Yeah. That's so many cool things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so can you lead us on your queer journey? Oh, God. Um, yeah, so that's a hard question. That's the <laughs> response we typically get. I feel like there's not a queer journey that doesn't start with, oh, where do I even? <laughs> I know, I know, because it's it's kind of hard to, like, put a finger on it, like, mm-hmm. anything in specific. I could, and, like, I kind of recently came out publicly as trans, and basically for the for the last few months everybody has been telling me oh this time back when we were in high school or back whenever you know we were in college or whatever i totally knew like well i didn't (laughs) that's a little weird you could have alerted me but whatever that could have made my life a lot more convenient um and so i i don't know i've always been sort of I've, i've never been the norm around myself um i i grew up mostly in southern or southern california and in like rural ohio um so it's a weird like i was never in a situation where i wasn't in culture shock Mm -hmm. um i went from living like less than a mile away from disneyland to living in a like place that didn't have a stoplight for most of the time that i lived there Yeah, I was going to say, those are very different locations. Yeah, super different, super different. And, like, I kept going back and forth. Uh, my, my parents um, kept going back and forth. Like, we, I started in Ohio, and then we went to California, and then we went back to Ohio, and then California, and then back to Ohio. There, there was about four trips back and forth um, wow. over the course of my upbringing. And so, like, I was pretty young when I first went to California, and I went there, and it's it's a pretty cosmopolitan place. Like, I grew up in um, relatively poor neighborhoods and very, like, non-white neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I went back to Ohio, it was very strange. Like, it wasn't the world that I was used to, and I was... I, I was very much exposed and, like, raised around a world that those people weren't all used to. And so there's always mm-hmm. this sort of dissonance. Yeah. And I I realized pretty early on that I was I was queer of various shapes and sizes and things. Um and that of course is complicated whenever you're living in like really like sort of hardcore right wing like rural areas. Yeah. 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 Like I had a couple of friends and allies and stuff. Like there was a librarian that I really loved who was very nice um, and very gay. Um, <laughs> I, I love a gay librarian. I mean, I love yeah. all librarians, but I love a gay librarian. Yeah. There's like, she literally saved my life one time because I was being like basically chased down by some guys who like were pretty dangerous types. And mm. so it's the, those kind of mentors that like made me comfortable in who I am. And that's, that's good. But, and then I go back to California and I'm like sort of the bumpkin there. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and so it, it, I, I, I was always really sort of there and doing my own thing. And as, as I got older, um, I sort of, I realized, hey, I should probably look into these communities because they fit into a lot of these um these ideas that I've been having and these feelings that I've been having. And I realized that like all of this stuff is super, super individual and it's, it's very personal. And so I never really, I, 
I had a hard time formalizing any of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> if, if, if you have a lot, if you have difficulty formalizing it and like it's uncomfortable putting labels on that sort of thing, then, you know, you put it off and you put it off and it, <laughs> it, it becomes a little bit of a struggle. And, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, um, I think that when I was, when I was in college, I just got really frustrated and I, I didn't know what to do. And I was very like, I was very rebellious. I was very much like a punk rock kid and stuff like that. And so I just went as loud as I could. Um, And like, that's, that's how I started getting into like, you know, activism work and stuff like that. So that was, that was a huge thing for me. Um, I feel like so much of queer culture is first you feel like shame and then you get loud. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know I've quieted down a little. That's that's a bad way of putting it. My wife is shaking her head. <laughs> no, I I have been I have um, I've gotten a little bit less confrontational about the world um, because I have a family now. I've and I have, you know, a full time job and a half. And I do a whole bunch of stuff. So I can't really like be on the streets yelling at people anymore. Right. Um, so, but that's that's basically it. I was I, I was an outsider here, an outsider there, an outsider here, an outsider there, and then I was really loud about it, and I just sort of forced myself where I needed to be, and then now I'm comfortable, and that's I I, I think that's a pretty pretty good path. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you've reached a good resolution, and I'm yeah. glad you've solved your culture shock by moving front to a completely different country <laughs> with a completely different language and set of customs. Yeah. Well, that was, that was sort of an ironic thing too, because like I said, we were moving back and forth and back and forth and that's very hard for someone who's growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, like when I was a teenager, I wanted to, I I wanted to sort of stabilize a little bit and I was taking, um, Japanese classes, um, Mm -hmm. when I was, when I was in high school and my, my teacher there was amazing. She was really wonderful. Um, my parents were always like troublesome, very, it was, it was a tough family. And so whenever we had problems, like whenever my, my parents would have fights and stuff, sometimes I would stay with my teacher. And so she was like a parent that, you know, a surrogate parent of sorts. Um, and so I sort of, of yeah, yeah. So I sort of adopted a lot of that. And so it made, it made it so coming here in a lot of ways was less culture shock than being in America. Hmm. When did you move to Japan? About five, four or five years ago. Oh, so you've had a little bit of time. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, my, my kids have been here most of their life, which is pretty cool. Nice. So what's what's like the queer scene in Japan? Like, how is it over there? Because I know pretty much jack about it. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know a lot of it directly because I, you know, I'm pretty insular. Like I have a family. Um, I'm very busy. Um, mm-hmm. There is there is a really active gay scene in Shinjuku. Um, there's like 200 gay bars just in that one area. Ooh. Wow. That one word. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, really dense. Um, yeah, I've imagined. Ju- I have a hard time imagining two hundred bars in any location of any variety. Like two hundred bars. Yeah, yeah. Well, in in Japan, um, your your average bar is much smaller than your average bar in the U.S. Okay, um, mm. and so they all have a very very tight niche. Um, like you might have a bar that only like six people can fit in, um, but you know you also do have ones that you know fifty sixty people can whatever. Um, right. Wow. Japan's, um, Japan's a very sort of like quiet and muted place by and large. Like people aren't as like loud and rambunctious 
about mm-hmm. things. So even if they have a problem with stuff, they, they tend to keep to themselves. Like most, mostly, um, your the problems that you run into with like LGBT culture in Japan is that most people are just sort of like ignorant of it. They don't really know. Um, you don't really run into a lot of prejudice, uh, which is great. Um, I honestly, the only like real transphobia that I've experienced in Japan has been from American military guys. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like they'll, they'll like yell mean things at the train stations and stuff, but Japanese people are super welcoming. Um, they're, you know, hospitality is a big deal. Uh, I haven't faced any problems there, but like everyone's sort of private. Everyone keeps to themselves. You know, we all have very, (laughs) we have tiny apartments and not a lot of room to hang out. So it's it's a very quiet culture. Yeah. I was just going to ask because you had mentioned earlier that like the main thing is that perhaps people are like just more ignorant to the issues. Do you think Mm -hmm. that like that welcoming atmosphere, that like sort of quiet seclusion comes from like a place of like, acceptance or a place of just like not knowing that this is a thing in the first place? Well, um, most people know, like nowadays, like you can turn on Japanese TV, um, and just on standard public television, you can see like, you know, gay, queer, transgender people who are just casual performers. Like you have, you have a a lot of that just out there. So people see it every day. And these are people who like, you know, they're, they're, they're celebrities of some degree or another. So they do a lot of like endorsement deals. Um, you know, if you go to the local department store, there's a um, transgender woman who is one of the, the, um, spokespeople for like a mattress company. Yeah. So it's there and people are aware of it. It's just that they sort of like mind their own business and they don't know like the complexities of the issues. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, they just uh, sort of keep to themselves. It's, it's, pretty nice really because I, I i don't like people being up in my business as far as that goes anyway so it's convenient yeah that's fair that makes sense <laughs> absolutely so you are an author um and you mentioned that you've written a couple of other books before do you typically keep like to the same genre or have your writing span different genres i i i would like to say that they span a whole bunch but right now the four novels that i've released are all like very much in the same sort of space um they're all in one shared world so they're all sort of like urban fantasy horror um but they all have a little bit different like twist to them because i i I write with genre as a like a tool to do other things Mm -hmm. um and so like my first novel is like dealing with a whole bunch of personal crap um using vampires as a sort of literary tool um right and then my later books, my, my last three books have been in one series and they're basically like, I like to call them economic horror. Um, <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's, it's Do like, you go um, on? yeah, they're, they're, um, they're basically, they're a, horror stories about life as a millennial. Mm. Um, the, that the is economic is, horror. I know. Right. Um, the, 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 stories are um the the series is called i hunt and it's basically their stories about this woman who uses an app like uber um to hunt monsters so it's like buffy the vampire slayer meets uber Hmm. and the my goal going into this this series was that i wanted to make a story where there were monsters but like eviction is scarier than the vampires so it's like it's a sort of shared world with 
the monsters and sort of the real problem is capitalism. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> yes. Capitalism was the real monster the whole time. <laughs> yeah, the 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 person who made the iHunt app, which um, was intended to disrupt the monster hunting industry, um, is basically like a Peter Thiel type. And I keep having people message me because I, I don't detail him. He's not a big part of the story. And people are like, did you know Peter Thiel bathes in human blood? I'm like, yeah, I, I knew that. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. the Thank reason you. why I don't. <laughs> so the, the reason I don't detail this guy is because you know, he does bathe in blood, so there's nothing that I could do that's going to make him more ghoulish than the real ones. So it's pretty much just people explaining your own bit to you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> so annoying. It's it's funny in a way, but yeah, it, it can be. Yeah. And you're not our uh, first podcast guest, although we've only had like a few episodes. You are not our first guest to get into the subject of horror or monsters, so I'd love to hear from you what draws you specifically to uh, creating those types of stories or characters. Okay, so there's this thing that um, I really like about monsters. And basically, as a literary tool, monsters are a safe way to present something that is dangerous. Because monsters, you can sort of acknowledge, are a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have this this big like sort of thing um a, a whole bunch i used to write for role-playing games um a lot of times i my most of my my career as a role-playing game writer was for the like world of darkness chronicles of darkness games um like vampire oh. the masquerade mm-hmm. um, and th- they you know they're about playing vampires and playing werewolves and stuff like that um and a lot of people like to discuss the fact that vampires in a literary tradition and a lot of times in games are like a metaphor for rape and sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like when I was younger, I was like sort of on board with this and I I got that, whatever people enjoyed that. And so I wrote those stories and I thought about that and I thought about that. And as I got older, as you know, somebody who has experienced sexual assault, Mm -hmm. um, I realized vampires are a really bad metaphor for sexual assault (laughs) because people acknowledge that vampires are bad. Mm. Uh, Yep. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. In, in Dracula, you have this, this guy who like is preying on Lucy Westerna and Mina Harker and everyone like gets together and they're like, we're going to stop this person. And they go and they put a big piece of wood through his heart because everyone says, Hey, the vampire's wrong. And that's pretty much how it goes. You have, you know, Buffy, the vampires, they have to, they have to go down into the, the underbelly of the world and basically manipulate things in order to get by. Um, in the real world, you have guys like Brock Turner who we're still debating about. Yeah. Like nobody's driving a stake through his heart. It's very hard to even get these people convicted, let alone get the public to recognize that they're bad. Yeah, I think people think that there's like an obvious evil. Yeah. Like they'll see a person and they'll be like, oh, that person's a rapist. I can tell yeah. by looking like at their their teeth are spiked or whatever, <laughs> like whatever the appearance of a rapist is. They feel like yeah. if somebody's a rapist, they will know. So then yes. when you're like, no, it could be anybody, like regardless of what they look like or how they present themselves to you. 
that really conflicts with how they felt about that person mm. or about, like, people in general. And people don't like confliction of their previous notions. Yeah, yeah. it's cognitive dissonance. It's awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. And so that's that's how I, I, I sort of view... Um, monsters in in horror traditions and literary traditions um i like vampires because they're pretty easy to deal with when i have a novel that is you know fifty thousand words a couple hundred pages or whatever i want to be able to wrap up that story i want to be able to start it do some things with it and then finish it Mm -hmm. i don't want to leave the situation worse than it started and i don't want to i don't want a story where either a my 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 story feels unbelievable because it was resolved mm-hmm. mm. or on the other hand i just don't do anything with it and i don't resolve it and the 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 situation is still the same status quo as it was so yeah. if i was telling these stories the way that they were and without like you know this if i was if i were using these as a direct allegory they would be boring stories yeah it's like that's something that people really appreciate in whatever way it comes and storytelling is resolution. And like, that's something that we don't get in the real world. Brock Turner Mm -hmm. is still on the news today, even though we start, (sighs) like, I feel like I started hearing about Brock Turner when I was in college. Yes. Uh, Yeah. He, they, they just decided this. We don't get that resolution in the real world. And that's why we seek it in storytelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I vote, I vote we do just stake him. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, we put a stake through Dracula's heart, and that's cool. The world's better. Like, we saved those people. But if you put a stake through Brock Turner's heart, you go to jail. It ruins your life. (laughs) Suddenly you're a murderer. (laughs) Quote, quote. (laughs) My guilty plea would, I would use air quotes every time. (laughs) Yes, I murdered him. (laughs) What if it's just the kind of stake where it doesn't, like, dust him, but just sticks him to one spot on the ground for eternity, and he just has to lay there and think about his own life? Mm, like a mythology approach. I like it. Ooh, I like yeah, that. Like classic alternatively, <laughs> the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, when um, Paul Rubens gets staked and we get treated to, like, a minute and a half of agony. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, and this might be, like, a really outlandish and wild, like, fantastical idea. Let's put him in fucking jail. Ooh! <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that's, that's a very controversial position, but I like it. <laughs> Alright, so, on, on this lighthearted note, um, what is something that you would like to tell cisgender, heterosexual people for the last time, and then you never have to hear it? ever again. Oh gosh. Okay. So the thing that I I would like them all to know is that we are still individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, and that even if I share a certain like aspect of my identity with a given person, even if that person is like prominent in a community, that doesn't mean that I necessarily agree with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And don't not only like, don't assume that I do, but also don't, like put your values of me on that choice. Like if I disagree with like, for example, Dan Savage, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that doesn't invalidate who I am. That doesn't change anything about me. And the fact that you're judging this entire group of people by one guy's opinions, like that's, that's super, super damaging. Yeah. Yeah. So like, stop looking at figureheads. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I saw this pretty recently with, um, I believe the CW was 
doing some casting of like a lesbian superhero type thing and a queer woman of color was like essentially just like kind of pointed out like are you gonna cast somebody who's not white oh no you're gonna cast ruby rose no that's great and then ruby rose was like we really need to stop attacking each other and it's like (laughs) ruby rose you are not being attacked just because somebody has mentioned the fact that you're white and there needs to be more people on television who aren't white Oh but from God. what I understand, there's a special place in hell if we don't support her. I don't know. I... Yeah, it's like so much so much of like disagreement within the queer community is seen as infighting. And it's like, we all need to band together. And I'm like, I definitely don't need to band together with people who call themselves lesbians and actively exclu- exclude trans women. I yes. don't need to band together with them. I'm banding... <sighs> apart from them. But don't you know, if we don't 100% blindly agree with each other, then we're just treating each other as badly as the straights do. (laughs) We've let the terrorists win. And hell, it's kind of worse because we we should know better. Yeah. Yeah. We're not a hive mind. (sighs) Yes. My favorite is when a straight person is like, well, my gay friend said that it's okay if I say this. So, mm-hmm. clearly, yes. it's okay. Yeah, but <laughs> consider this. You're in a unique situation with a whole other different person who isn't cool with what it is you're doing right now. If you want to go ahead and use the F slur and your friend's cool with it, go hang out with your friend. Yeah, yeah, there's a place for that, and it's called Away From Me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not cool with it. If your friend is super Go, go to your friend. We don't do that here. Yes. <laughs> Not in this house. So I very much like that message. Hey, cishet people, stop all of that. Hey, you stop it. <laughs> There's not a good way to wrap it up. So you, if you didn't get it, rewind and keep listening until you get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just stop it. Just replay that bit over and over until it's lodged in your skull. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And in the meantime, would you like to tell us what's on your gay agenda? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so my, my agenda is is to deliver experiences because I'm a creative person. Um, I want to deliver experiences that are not centering like normative comfort I keep seeing this and it's like, it's a thing with like TV and movies and stuff like that. Um, you know, you'll get like a character who's like a queer character and people will be like, well, you know, it's, I know they're sort of apologetic about it and they're beating around the bush and they're only saying that the character is gay on like Twitter or whatever. Um, very like JK Rowling. Um, yep. And I, I know that, ultimately what this comes down to is people with the best of intentions who are still centering the comfort of the culturally normative people. Mm-hmm. And like, why is their comfort even relevant? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so my, my agenda is, is that I am going to deliver like the, the most appropriate stories and like worlds to my my liking and to my interests um i I, a couple of days ago somebody asked me um and they asked me 
with the a game that I am going to be developing soon, you know, what am I going to do about things like, you know, gender and sexuality representation in this game? And I jokingly told them that I might feature some heterosexual cisnormative characters, <laughs> but only if the story demands it. I'm not going to shoehorn any in in order to, like, fill a quota or anything like that. Like, I'm not yeah. going to do it to be politically correct. Yeah, you don't want, like, a token straight. Yeah, yeah, that would be insulting to straight people, actually. Yeah. But also, God forbid, if you consult with them first, you should just <laughs> yeah, go ahead and I guess their experiences. <laughs> <laughs> but only one. I've, I've already designated a cishet friend, um, yeah. and that Specifically person will tell me everything I need to know. Yeah, yeah, it's a friend. They they they're a friend. And if yep. I if I say things that people find disparaging about cishet people, then I I know that my friend said it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> your friend your friend who may have some sort of personal stakes in telling you whether or not something you're writing is quality is totally absolutely going to give you a fair shake of this. Yeah, they're clearly absolutely. the representative for a whole group of people. Yeah. Oh man. Perfect. <laughs> In, in all seriousness, though, like, as fellow creators, I feel like I can say, like, queer people are not made, nor do we exist, to be comfortable or understandable to cisgender heterosexual people. That is not our aim in life. We're not here to be easy to digest or understand. We just fucking exist, and sometimes we eat bagels. Yes, yes. Like, we, we might do some interior decorating for you or something, but not all of us are actually good at that. It's Yeah. <laughs> My gay agenda, learn interior decorating. <laughs> what if everybody was, like, what if every queer person was good at interior decorating except for one person? And it's like, oh, no, everybody's good at interior decorating. And they're just like, Ugh. Not me. Not me. Well, yeah, that's it. That's how I feel. I want I want queer eye for, like, this trans girl in Japan who has an apartment that she doesn't really know how to decorate. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> queer eye for the other queer eye. Yeah, seriously. Why don't we get that show? I want, I want queer eye, but it's they tell me how to dress androgynously because I still don't know what that means yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's there's an entire market of queer eye for other queer people shows, I think. Yeah. Why are they just why are they just directing straight people? We'll then have some sort of emotional person about like emotional moment about how they didn't realize that gay people are people until they completely renovated their homes and lives. Hmm. <laughs> That's a pretty high bar too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have to be magical yeah, and the co completely change your life. I guess. Yeah. The queer eye people are like, hey, you need to shower once a day. And they're like, I didn't know that I could love <laughs> gay people like this, but I love you all so much. Or like, this um, this Marine um, saved an entire burning orphanage full of people, and it turns out that this, this Marine is gay. Oh my, I did not know that Marines can be people too. Like, all I have to do is <laughs> save a burning orphanage. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, why didn't you mention that? Hold on, let me join the Marines and then go. <laughs> Does it count if I start the fire just for the purpose of getting this recognition? Do I get that humanity still? Like, <laughs> no, it's, uh... So suddenly, if you start a fire, you're an arson. <laughs> you're an arson arsonist. Oh, man, I duped it. I duped my noun usage. Oh, this is why I'm not an arson. 
Look, y'all, the, <laughs> the moral of the story is that we all have to get real good at making miracles happen, and then we'll be accepted. It's that easy. Yeah. 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 That's a real the, takeaway here. Yeah. Mm. The, the real victory, the real moral of this story is the arsons that we started along the way. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to take this as um, proof that Jesus was queer, uh, and he was the original Queer Eye. <laughs> and really, he oh made my. over... I don't know, humanity. (laughs) (laughs) He renovated our hearts and souls. We're going to wake up one morning and our podcast is going to be blacklisted. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) We've already had a guy on Twitter yell at us because we're following the gay agenda. I did get him blocked on Twitter for hate speech because he was saying some unkind things with a cross (laughs) as his uh, Twitter icon. Nice, nice. How dare he appropriate. get, like, Ben Shapiro's attention or something like that. You know, know, the high-profile hate. Taking it to the streets. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tweet Ben Shapiro right now and be like, hey... Jesus is trans and gay because we said so on our podcast. Listen to my gay agenda. We're on iTunes. Rate, comment, subscribe. Yeah, nobody described the color of the cross. It might have been rainbow. That's true. Oh, that's very true. All right, Jen. <laughs> on that note, you want to lead us in a game? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so, you develop video games. Correct. So I've made a little game here called Vi- Video Gays. Uh, because my gay agenda has has is a is a I don't know I think we're a pretty cool podcast but I think we're ready <laughs> <laughs> and nothing asserts that quite like um, I think I think we're uh, we're cool <laughs> <laughs> I just think we're ready to branch out so I was hoping you I could agree. help us develop the my gay agenda video game um, I don't and maybe think we that's could out be... of the question. <laughs> I think we could be a mobile game, or if you want, we could be in JRPG. I think you're the expert here, so. <laughs> I think the platform needs to be di- dictated by the by the um the actual needs of the content. So. All right. Well, let's figure That's out fair. those content needs. <laughs> All right. So, a my gay agenda video game. Okay. Uh, well, what are we thinking? Hmm. Like, specific to this podcast or specific to the general topic of what my gay agenda is? I'm flexible. It's all an improv exercise anyway. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) I just don't want anybody to be bound by anything. My games are not but a loose platform for us to make additional goofs. Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have to note that we don't represent anyone outside of the development team. True. <laughs> so I'm wondering if this is like like a mission-based thing where you have to s- search lands and valleys for queer agenda items. Mm. Maybe. Maybe something like AR, like Pokemon Go. <gasps> hmm. So who's the main character? Mm. Perhaps the player? <laughs> yeah, if it's AR, then it has to be a self-insert. That's yeah. true. You have to have- yeah, we would we would have to spend like ninety five percent of our budget on character customization options. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. It's an excuse for just the most elaborate dress up game in the world. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, solid base. All right, ninety five percent of the budget to custom character customization, mm-hmm. and that's also like ninety five percent of gameplay spent. Yeah. It's like, ooh, which shirt do I wear? 
Oh, so we're making The Sims, essentially. We're just going to make a thing that we'll just make characters and then, you know, we'll start the game and then just realize that eh, we, we just want to make another character. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I like that. <laughs> as long as we go in with that in mind, I think that it could be really good. I like it. All right. So an AR game where we spent 12 hours customizing various characters. It's, yeah. do we, so do we want it like on phones where you can go like into the community and hunt for gay agenda items? Mm, 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 mm. Or do we want the comfort of our own homes? Like I, a... <laughs> so have you, um, mm, I'm thinking like, like the like Assassin's Creed style games where you have like territories. Oh, okay. And you basically have to like clear out the territories and claim them. <laughs> And World so domination. You have, yeah, yeah. You would have like a friends list of people and the group, your 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 guild or whatever, you basically have to clear out all of a territory and then sort of stake that claim. So this McDonald's, it's part of our gay agenda now. Mm. Mm. Now, is it a broader gay agenda or is it like this this guild in the gay agenda? Because are we do- making a satirical stand on infighting? Mm. <laughs> mm. I, see, I think that that will happen within the community if you give them the tools. So mm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that you need to add that into the design. True. True. <laughs> the infighting will come. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you build it, people will fight with each other. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. Club Penguin demonstrated that well enough. <laughs> <laughs> True. If you have daily missions based on gay agenda items where it's like, go pet a dog, and then you'll get, I don't know, three rainbow coins or whatever. Okay, okay. <laughs> and how will one know if they won the game? Oh, ARGs don't really get won. You, like, you, 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 you can achieve in them, but like really there should always be another step up. Okay. World domination. Yeah, yeah. There's there's always worlds to conquer. Yeah. Well, and then you conquer the world, and then we move on to, you know, fully automated gay space um, luxury communism. Hell yeah. See? Sure. And, okay. like, and that's not even accounting for, like, any parallel universes or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. We've, oh. we've, the sky is the limit. <laughs> and we're going to take it all. <laughs> <laughs> and the sky is gay now. Oh, yeah. All right. Because we said so. We spent some premium currency on it. Now it's purple. Yeah. <laughs> True. I yes. made some in-app purchases, and now the sky is gay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got a hit on our hand. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so, this um, could be the next Pokemon Go. Keep an eye out in the app store for the My Gay Agenda ARG. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for talking with us, Olivia. Do you want to talk about your new book? Oh, sure, sure, sure. So um, the new book... Um, it's, it's set in the same world as the other books, um, the I Hunt book and the vampire book that I was talking about earlier. But mm-hmm. it's, um, it's about psychics. Um, yeah, it's, it's about psychics. And basically what it is um, is an extension, a modern extension of the, um, the oh, what is it, Project Searchlight uh, and the, um, the MKUltra experiments from the Cold War. Whenever the United States um, thought that they could develop psychic super soldiers, essentially, in order to um, stop the communists. And um, yeah, this is this is a real, real thing that was very terrifying. And basically what it uh, amounted to was the United States government um, 
did a whole bunch of very unethical experiments on people. They, um, they abducted a lot of people. They gave them drugs that were experimental without their consent. Um, they tortured them. They did all kinds of stuff. And we only really know about the extent of the project because of some redacted documents that were erroneously filed in the wrong place. Um, like they were filed as some like expense reports. Um, so we don't even have information on like the bulk of what this project was. We just know how that it was terrifying. And I wanted to write a story about the sort of the next generation of those people, not like a continuation of that project per se, but like what, what happens to the people who are in those experiments? They, they, they went home at the end. Some of them survived and they had families and like the government didn't just let them stay home. They had to keep tabs on them. Right. Um, so the, the story is basically following some of the young people, like 20 to 30 year old people who are like children and grandchildren from that experiment and they're psychic and the government doesn't know what to do with them because they can't really, they don't have a practical way to utilize them. Um, the government is not very effectual. Um, so they can't organize for anything. And it's just, it's just this really messed up situation. And basically the story follows, um, three psychics. Um, one is a, a young woman who is growing up in, um, Nevada and, um, her father was in the project and she's a psychic and she's basically been trying to keep under the radar for a very long time. Like she, she has biweekly meetings with the, the DIA, the intelligence, uh, de defense, whatever I, agency. And now things are getting really complicated. Like they're trying to kill her for some reason, like, and she's not sure why. Mm -hmm. Um, then there's another, a, a young boy who is, um, a, a Mormon, um, college student in Provo, Utah, and his power is that he um, he co-locates. He like goes into trances and he sends his consciousness to other parts of the world, and that's his sort of way of escaping his um, situation in life. And so he's become addicted to not being in his own place. Hmm. Um, and then the third character, the third main character, is a pop star who was um, I don't know if you you're familiar with um, the the sort of fake pop star that has been invented recently called Poppy. Uh, um, no, not aware. What? Oh, oh, it's, it's scary. <laughs> so if you go to YouTube, you can look up, I am Poppy, uh, P O P P Y. And she is this, um, fake pop star who has a couple of songs and she just has these really weird videos where she's, um, it's hard to explain. She's just very, very strange and very awkward. Like you might imagine someone who's been like brainwashed. Oh um, boy. I've already seen one with a blood warning on yeah, it. So. Yeah. They're, they're messed up. They're really, really, really terrifying videos. Um, but basically my, my third character, my pop star has been programmed and sort of bred um, since she was born in order to be an agent of propaganda. Um, wow. She was supposed to, yeah, she was supposed to be like the next like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera in the late nineties and early two thousands. But the government can only control that kind of stuff so much and people never really got into her music. So now 20 years has pa have passed and she doesn't know what to do with her life. And mm. so she's like a weapon. Um, but she, she doesn't know where to go and what to do. And basically her story starts when the government 
gives up on her and just stops controlling her and she doesn't know how to process it. But so, yeah, so basically it's a story about those three people and they just come together in these really, really messed up ways um, and are trying to understand the world around them. And they're trying to basically escape while or escape the hands of the government while recognizing that they're never going to fit in. It's just never going to happen. And so, yeah, I mean, you can probably draw about a million allegories for what that is. Um, but, <laughs> sure. Uh, so yeah, when does this, when does this book come out? So it's going to come out, it's going to come out um, late September or early October. Um, basically depends on my revision process. Um, so end of, end of September, uh, beginning of October. And where can we find that? You can find that pretty much everywhere. You can find it on Amazon. And I will also be selling it directly. Um, but Amazon's probably the best bet if you buy from Amazon. Um, and if you don't, then, you know, get in touch with me directly through my Twitter or something. And I'll post links um, to private places. Awesome. Great. I have a complicated relationship with Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah, I think we all sort of do. Yeah. It's like 95% of my sales. I would love to have all of my sales come privately and without all of the, you know, terrible labor violations and things like that. But, yeah. you know, that's not the reality of late stage capitalism. So, mm -hmm. Yep, we're Whoa. deep in it. <laughs> all right. Jen, you want to? Oh, yeah. Um, as always, if any of y'all want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at underscore glittergoblin underscore tweet cat pictures at me or something, and I'll pay you in jokes about depression. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, you can find this podcast on iTunes. If you're on iTunes, you can go ahead and rate us and subscribe and tell all of your friends about us. Um, and you can also find us on Facebook at My Gay Agenda, an investigative podcast, and on Twitter at Gay Agenda Cast. Until next time, put this on your gay agenda. Fight the power. Love yourself. Go read Olivia's book. Go do it. It's cold ultra. <laughs> Thank you. And that's our gay agenda. That's our gay agenda. That's